Welcome to the Better Together Life podcast. This is the podcast for the suburban family who wants to quit the rat race and return to the land. I don't know if you know that I'm now putting the thumbnail of you and us, like both of us, in the intro, like up in the corner so that they can see what you do and how excited you get. How would I know that until you told me right now? Did I say that you know that? Did you know that you I said, did that? I don't think you know. Well, that's why I told you. <laughs> I just told you that. Cool. So like, I don't think I have told you because you haven't seen it because you haven't been on Abundance Plus and seen the video. I've been on Abundance Plus for other things. All right. Here's the explanation that you gave me before we sat down. Kelly, we need to finish a podcast that we began two weeks ago. Yeah, longer than that. All right. So this pickup is uh, coming back to a podcast episode near you. Do we know the podcast number? No. Okay. So this is part two of returning to the land. Somewhere in between like nine and 11. Yeah. So if you're just catching this one. one like the teens. What is it? If you're catching this one, come back to the first half and then you'll hear the rest of the story right here. And I think it's a really fun story, but um, I don't know if it's always fun to just tell it straight through. So I'm glad you got this in two parts. I think it's going to give you time to go grab a coffee or finish the dishes, whatever you're doing while listening. And we hope you enjoy the rest of the story. And now it's time for What's New on the Homestead. Okay, babe, before we do the story, part mm-hmm. two, what, let's, let's do this speedy. Okay. What's new on the Quick. homestead? All right. Ooh, new on the homestead in my book is the most important thing that we've talked about regarding the chicken having a more permanent space. So the chickens right now are in a Premier One fencing, and I've been walking, pacing the lines for our new... We were going to call it the chicken summer house, but now it's going to be their winter house where we're going to put in some more permanent fencing and create one large paddock and eventually put it into quarters so that we'd have fences between creating four different kind of quadrants in this space. And that's important to me because it feels like the next big project. The fun little things we've been doing is just you on a tractor dumping wood chips and all the little spots where we want to catch water or we want to keep the the ground from eroding away in the rains. We've had so many rains this summer. So my ticket to what's new on the homestead is the new chicken space. And it's going to house our 50 chickens. 50 chickens. That's going to be a lot of work and it's going to be great. What I do I need to take down the barbed wire in the front? No. So I can just put up some kind of wire, some kind of uh, fence there. The most, the most effective way that we can build anything in this front part of our property, which is um, it's right on the road There's a dirt road, so it's not like tons of traffic. It's not crazy busy. But what I really like to do is leave the perimeter fence right now, which is kind of some busted up, rusted barbed wire. And it's been there for sure, like at least 30 years. Yeah, 
longer probably. So thankful that we have any kind of fencing. But what I'd like to do is make a very narrow alleyway. So like two to three feet wide and then put the chicken uh, fencing in because I'd like to plant if we never ever fix that perimeter fence. I'd like to plant grapevines right there. Well, then why don't we just buy a whole bunch? Let's do it. Whatever you want. Take my money. One electric fencing and just make that tight. If that's what you want to do, if you're not wanting to actually replace the front fencing. Because I'm not saying no to replacing the front fencing. I'm also not that into Premier One. I know. Like, well, that's. Better. I'm just not that into it. But Plus, Justin, they've had so much back order on their product that, that at one. this time, the, they have oh, that. the tall one is the one you're thinking. They of? have they have the boring stuff. It's the shocker knot that mm-hmm. they don't have. Well, I'm not against it, but I like the idea of creating a perimeter fence. So, well, do you want it to be the chicken summer house? Permanent is not even the summer house. It we're almost out of the summer house. <laughs> the chicken permanent space is what I'm what I'm at because the whole point of that was you're not it, it doesn't really make sense to do what you're doing I'm sorry like like to do to There's do that alleyway to, that to do that alleyway <laughs> to invest that yes. much money into that we're adding so much edge to that that it really is not going to make a lot of sense so we could do permanent fencing for the other three sides yeah and then for That's that fair. way across that we just do electric netting, mm-hmm. whether we electrify it or not, but we can just do that until you really decide what we want. Yeah, I think that's good. What do you see the material being on those permanent sides? I would assume that it was just regular field fence, okay. like sheep, goat, yeah. you know, the, the the squares. We have that. Horses, the the... Horses, horse fencing is similar to our cheap uh, welded wire that's around the garden because mm-hmm. we just wanted to go cheap for that. Uh, but it's it's strong. So why? Okay, so it's we like that wouldn't same design use... except except it's uh, woven wire. So you're suggesting for the chicken's actual spot. That's my what's new on the homestead as we work all of this out with our audience right now. That's why it's fun. It is fun. That your suggestion is. The same concept that we have on our garden, which is really just to keep like our chickens, our dogs, our children (laughs) from going in and running rampant through the garden, which has been a huge success this year, that there is a stronger version of that fencing. No, 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 that's horse fencing. We're not going to do that. It's horse fencing. Because it's more narrow. Is that the difference? Yeah. I don't know why horses need a super small space. I mean, it's a. It's a horse, but I, I just don't understand why they do You're that. You're saying Maybe, small spacing. So let's say, let's describe horse this. Horse fencing is these rectangle, rectangle space, like whole, you know, whatever, square. Like it's a rectangle thing. So let's break this down. Most people, like I would think of fencing, privacy fencing, right? These like tall um, panels or planks that sure, we see in the, the suburbs. cedar planks. Or I would think of chain link fence. So this is different because why? Well, I would assume that chain link fence is going to be the most expensive Mm -hmm. of that because it is so tight knit Mm -hmm. and 
just, it's a lot of work to be able to do that. Seriously. I mean, Jack Spearco has his entire three acres is chain, chain link? link. Wow. Like, yeah. I, I don't know lot. how. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's one of the reasons why he bought it. Just is great for dogs. It was dogs. already there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dogs can't get through there. Unless you had some of the pound puppies I had growing up. I mean, they can dig who under Who got it. out of every, no, they used to like lift up the chain link gate with their noses. Sure. They go under it. So then you have uh, barbed wire, of mm-hmm. course. Then you have uh, sheep and goat fencing. Mm-hmm. That is, I don't know the difference really about the sheep and goat fencing versus versus, um, versus field, field fence. Okay. I think they're very similar. That's just the squares. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think what you like that look is you want the square... It's, you know, if you're looking on the video, it's just, you know, just normal squares are about like this big. Mm-hmm. And does it does come it, on a roll? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've used, we've used panels. Um, hog panels in the past. We've used cattle panels in the past for different projects around the property. And then we've used this fencing on a roll that we used for our garden, which I Correct. think has been fantastic. But this will be a. But that's the cheapest. Yeah. So you're saying for the chickens, more permanent structure that that keeps things out like predators we don't want in and keeps the chickens in because it's stronger we'll just say and this. it's square panel instead of so like the how we could move our garden oh, fence yeah. you can't do that it's too heavy you need it's, it on the back of a truck you can't do it by one person mm-hmm. like like the fact that you know you know whenever we were talking i was talking about this buying this fencing mm-hmm. for at tractor supply there's like okay we can That's help you right. like, you're gonna want a truck or a trailer because like, we're gonna I don't slide think this you, thing you you know what this is yeah, this I'm is like, much heavier can i just get this out myself like you're gonna want some hands <laughs> it's, it's heavy so, so that's what how did you feel about that did it make you feel weak no, it just made me feel... want a trailer. <laughs> Shout out! So it just we, made me want to buy more things. Well, let's 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 fast forward this. So one of the things I didn't think that I had one. I think a new thing for me on the on homestead, homestead is uh, our buddy Josh uh, at Ganderflight. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be buying some stuff from him. Yeah, he's he's moving. Um, he's gonna go. They're they're gonna go full time RV. It's I don't so know, exciting. maybe a year or so, or just a, a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, before they figure out where he wants to land, he really mm-hmm. wants to be where there, where it snows. Hey, it snowed in Texas. Come on, Josh. Uh, <laughs> but so I'm going to be buying a small five by eight trailer. Yes. From him. I'm excited about that. That will allow Open us bed. to. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we can't do, you know, we could maybe put piglets or something and just, you know, we could do some sort of like hoop housing or something like that. Strapped Probably not. Down. Well, I'm just meaning like you could put some, you could do some things, but some people do that. It's not a livestock trailer. It's not. But it's for like us going to go buy fencing, Mm -hmm. us not having to use my dad's truck. I mean, there's just a lot of usefulness. Yeah. We love the truck, but it's not fully ready. It's just a farm truck to be able to load things back and forth. This would be such a help so that we can get some of the fencing things yep. that we need. I can load it up, go take it down to uh, our neighbors if we need to borrow like, you know, the auger or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Like there's just a lot of things of having a trailer that we have always wanted. And it's not super hard, huge. Yeah. Like and, it's and not real big. Yeah, and he's he needs to get rid of it. And we- We have need for it. Yes. So, so that, that's the biggest one for me mm-hmm. of what is new on the homestead. those kind of infrastructure things- Stuff that we've done by hand over the last almost three years 
have really accelerated in like their doability, if that's a factor, if doability is like a thing on the list that helps you produce in your homestead, things have become more doable having the tractor, having a trailer coming up. Even right now, we have a vehicle that can tow and we didn't have that um, at the be like before we moved to the property. And I think that just those small things make productivity on the property a lot more doable. Yeah, I I don't know what we could have done without having something to tow. Mm-hmm. I am right now looking up. So we got to figure out when we're going to get the new Cornish Cross. Uh, I thought it Cornish was September. Rocks. Yeah, but I'm not seeing it right now. So I got I to gotta check in with Ideal Poultry yeah. to see. Well, wh- I think because our original, um, original, our original deal was, or our original agreement was to have a bunch of birds. And then as we were about to have the first, that last round of Cornish rock, we were like, Hey, I think we're going to need to split this up. We cannot handle this many birds. So we're doing it in the fall. We have learned our lesson that's coming up on the homestead, a whole new segment, but the new breed of Cornish rock or the new batch of them. And so much that we learned with this last round. I think that's a whole whole podcast episode, what we did wrong with our last meat birds and what we're doing right this time. Let's talk about what's growing in our garden. The loofah is popping off in the garden. The watermelon is dying off in the garden. But here is a cool way that God shows just his kindness toward us. So this watermelon patch has been growing and thriving for months in the garden. And then there really wasn't an infestation or anything, but we had a crazy amount of rain, like, I don't know, 10 inches of rain within a week. And then nothing but 95 plus degree temperature and dry for another two weeks. And what I read about the damage that could happen to my watermelon came true. And my watermelon had, the plant had probably a dozen, I mean like 12 good baseball sized watermelons that were growing. But then within a week, every single one of them split and rotted on the bottom. So it was just this black rot right at the blossom end. And the heartbreak of this was some of these watermelons were the size of almost basketballs. So these are large watermelons. They would come out to be about 20 to 25 pounds. And we've harvested two of them already this season, but the rest, I mean, now the bugs have set in. The garden is telling me the watermelons, they're done. So we're walking through our property, just kind of where we're going to put the chickens actually, and looking to see what what does the fence line look like for this? We've already cleared this out because our pigs were here a season ago. So about, um, you know, fall of a year ago, right? Or two years ago. So at that time, the pigs were running through there. It was our very first round of pigs. And after they moved from that space and we rotated them, we threw down seed. No, the pigs weren't two years ago. That was just last year. Last year, you're right. Well, I'm talking about the time they were in this one specific spot. I mean, maybe 14 months ago. Yeah, so just a little over a year. max. So in this spot where we're going to be putting the chickens, um, it's been 
a while since the pigs have been there, but we noticed um, some cover crop was coming up that we'd sown uh, these beans, legumes that were just looking to be nitrogen fixers in this spot. So it's really cool as you start to rotate your animals that that you have this chance to then follow up with seeds if this space is going to be fallow for a bit. Don't do it if your chickens are just going to scratch it up. But we knew we weren't putting chickens there right away. So we threw out some cover crop and those beans, sure enough, are just popping up everywhere. We also had several mounds, very large mounds of wood chips placed in this same area. So if you can imagine this, it is um, wooded, but not densely wooded. It has um, probably about... 30 feet um, from our property line toward the house and then another, you know, acre or two going um, the opposite direction. So we have a really good space here. It's very large. We've cleared the lines for where the fence will go because the pigs were there and we had fencing in for them. So as we're climbing up back to the garden, we're climbing up to the top of these wood chips. We see the beans, but then we see something else and we think, is that a watermelon plant? And then as we're walking over the mound, because these are huge mounds, they're taller than me and I'm only five foot, but huge mounds. And I'm looking over and I see a watermelon the size of, I don't know, larger than our barred rock rooster growing in the sticks, literal pile of sticks, this watermelon is growing through it. And then we look around a little bit further and there are three other watermelons growing right there over the wood chips. And I really think that this came from the pig poop. So 14 months ago, as pigs are running through here and we're feeding them watermelon rinds and giving them leftover watermelon that had just kind of not tasted as great as we wanted it to. And we did not plant any watermelon when we broadcast these seeds after they had moved on. So where my garden is totally failing and I have tended that thing, I have loved on those plants, I have sung out in that garden and I walk over a mound of wood chips to find just a sweet, sweet replacement for all the failure that happened in the garden, or really not failure, but just seasonal shift in the garden. And there on the mound was watermelons. And that is what's happening in the garden. If there was one thing that Bo and I wish we had when we lived in the suburbs is a simple resource where all the things we needed to know about homesteading were gathered in one place. I remember the stress of scrolling through videos and blogs about gardening and family milk cows and then ending up down a totally different rabbit hole. So here's my secret sauce to help you avoid the stress of drilling and searching. It's an app and it's called Abundance Plus. Abundance Plus is a hub for all things homestead. Your favorite YouTubers have collaborated and put exclusive content here ad-free and censorship-free. There's a library of homesteaders that you know and love, like Justin Rhodes, Roots and Refuge, Sow the Land, and yes, Better Together Life. You can download Abundance Plus on your smart thing for $15 to get started and only $7 each month after that. You've got a money back guarantee and you can cancel at any time if you don't love it. But let's be real. What's not to love about targeted homestead content all in one place? Did I mention it's censorship free? Y'all, there is a ton of content we cannot put on YouTube because they simply don't want you to see it. 
So supporting via Abundance Plus means access to this homestead community directly supports the creators and not just another big corporation. We have chosen Abundance Plus as the host for the video portion of this podcast. So use our link to get started with Abundance Plus and we'll send you a welcome bundle of gifts. You'll see ebooks and oils and your choice of Better Together merch. To get your freebies, go to bettertogetherlife.com slash abundance. We are so grateful for your support and trust. Thank you. We'll see you on Abundance Plus. bettertogetherlife.com slash abundance. Okay, here we go. So main topic, part two of us returning to the land. I'm going to do a quick little recap, recap of, of the part one. So we talked about why we bought land. We talked about the story of us finding the property, the story of us going to go look at the property, actually buying the land, and then the marriage conflict of you and I, which we've talked about so many times here on our channel, everywhere. And then we had Finley. I don't know if we went over a ton about Finley. So let's talk about a little bit. So just really fast. We finally got to the point to where we were traveling a little bit where we, you know, we didn't have pets or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just us three. We went to New Mexico a couple of times and you started to get the mindset of, okay, maybe we can do this RV thing. Yes. Which I had really no idea. Like I, this is all new to me that you were really considering this possibility. And then... We went on our um, anniversary trip, and a couple of weeks later, we found out that Finley's coming. Yeah. Yeah. And then it all, we're like, nope, we're not moving. We're not not selling the house. We're not moving. We're not doing anything. We pumped the brakes, and we didn't. We didn't say no to having this dream on the homestead. We just said, hey, we still want to do this, but let's be wise about that choice. So instead of like, hey, we're going to just come revisit this later. We still had a lot of conversations during my pregnancy with Finn that were completely central around, centered? Centered around moving to the homestead. We had a lot of conversations about what it would look like even to what we would live in. So is it a barn dominium? Is it an RV? Are we building a house like bricks and sticks? A lot of conversation around that. And those still happened during pregnancy. So the aim was always to move. It just had some contingencies. So we could move if we had a healthy baby. We could move if we were able to sell this house. We could move if we had all of the T's crossed and I's dotted to close things out in Katie beforehand. But there were still so many unknowns until Finley arrived. And after she arrived, she actually needed some extra work. Like she had a tongue tie and we needed to have that revised and we needed to make sure that she was going to get the care that she needed to recover from that. So there were a lot of little hurdles, nothing major, no hospitalizations, but Every time I'm pregnant, I know that I am not in control of the outcome of that birth or the health of my children. I am just going to wait and be patient while all of that unfolds. Well, how much I wanted to homestead. I I wanted, 
I wanted baby number four. Yeah. Like once we found, I mean, that's just yeah. how, like once it was, she was a complete surprise and we were so excited. We're like, okay, God yeah. wants us to have another baby, baby number, number four. I want baby healthy. I want wife healthy. That's the only thing that I care about. There was so much more tension between us before we ever got pregnant with Finley and that big kind of explosion of where are we in your dreams versus, hey, Finley's put a, a pause on this. Yeah. There was so much more uh, for us to work out as a married couple that this was like cake. This was like, oh my goodness, we're having a baby. We're stoked about her coming. But it took a minute to no, we didn't know it was shake her. that out. Yeah. It took a, it took a minute. It, I don't remember it taking, we were just in shock. So that's what I mean. I didn't expect for like the first month to have Finn. And then I'm nothing but excitement. And she is a riot. There's, you never know what to expect from her. She will throw you a wild card at every turn. Well, speaking of wild cards, then soon, I don't know how, af oh, yes. how far after she was born. Three months. We then, she was three months old. Mm -hmm. So once, so we start getting some things ready, probably the, you know, last trimester, mm -hmm. we really kind of started to ramp up downsizing, getting the house ready. Yes. Cause we were like, Hey, we're going to sell our house with a newborn. Who Garage knew? sales. Yeah. We were we, throwing we, things on Craigslist, putting it on the curb, everything to minimize what we would have to move with. Yeah, we found a realtor, we talked, and then she gave us about the the, the mm -hmm. good month. She said, you know, maybe uh, end of summer, beginning of fall, like new mm -hmm. school season, like that's a decent time to sell a house. The best time is in the big, you know, at the end of a spring semester, like before right. in the summer. She said, but this is not a bad time right. and you're, you're set up good. So that's what we wanted to do is beginning of the fall. Mm -hmm. And then we lived in the outside of Houston mm -hmm. and Houston and Katy, Texas, where we were living, especially Katy, got smashed, devastated by Hurricane Harvey. And I remember calling our realtor and said, you know, it was it was a couple of days after, you know, it and the crazy thing is we documented all of this yes. on the YouTube. the YouTube channel, like we ended up putting out four videos within that that span. It was it was scary, and I remember calling our realtor. This was after, and just saying, "Hey, what what does this mean mm -hmm. for selling the house?" She said, I, "Bo, I have no, she idea. Has no idea." She's like, "This is there is so much devastation mm -hmm. here." Uh, luckily, what we found out is that instead of it hurting our chances, right, somehow. It helped it because every single house that did not flood, it, it it raised the property value. Yeah. So this is 2017 and the market was fine. It wasn't, you know, significantly heavy on a buyer or a seller's end. And when Hurricane Harvey hit, Houston had a lot of flooding and damage. We're used to that when it comes to hurricanes. We batten down the hatches when it comes to hurricanes, meaning like we're throwing just parties. Like everybody's off of work. We're sitting in our lawn chairs. We're watching the wind come through. And then as the storm rages, you know, we'll usually hang out inside. We, all of us have a basic emergency preparedness. All of us have flashlights. All of us have a little food stored away. Like there's, you know, not a ton of stuff, but like you've got some applesauce and peanut butter and a loaf of bread. Like that's what you do to get ready. You, you say for all a storm. of us, I would 
I, well, I would here's say, what I would I say, say no. So like very basic things. So all of us, especially on our block. You mean like Miller Lite? Like yes, that's what yes. the most of our. Like we're ready to, we're ready to hang because that is what hurricanes do to our area. You lose power for a while. Sometimes you're inconvenienced by water, but this is, this is what we were preparing for. And the storm passes. The storm passes within a few hours. So you may have Usually, yeah. a lot of rain and a lot of wind and it's not nothing. It's just how it affects Katy, which is further inland from the coast. We experience some dirty sides of the storm and that's about it. That is not what happened with Harvey. With Harvey, this became a tropical storm back to a hurricane. It stalled over our city and the way that these areas were built was just a tragedy. It was greed there. And there's tons that you can learn about how this all went down, but it was absolutely tragic to the point that some of our friends had over six feet of water in their homes. And it was not because this storm flooded their house, but because their neighborhoods were flooded to prevent a break in the levee of the dam where yeah. our, our whole water reservoir is. So as a city it was built fine, but then so many people came, it became this real hazard. Praise the Lord that our home was not destroyed at this time. Our, our block did not flood, but literally around the corner we're walking. doTERRA was so gracious to us. They sent truckloads full of these hygiene kits with some oils and some basic things like toothbrushes, washcloths, soap, that kind of stuff. And we could walk our neighborhood and just give these kits out to people because their entire house was on their front lawn, their floors, their carpets, their, their appliances, refrigerators were floating through houses. And the fear that that gave us was not just the security of our house and our home. We have friends who left their neighborhoods either on boats, small fishing boats that people brought in and rescued them. Another friend rode a jet ski through neighborhoods to rescue people out of their homes. Uh, other friends were carried away on giant military vehicles out of their neighborhood. And we were expecting that to happen to us. So there's a whole nother podcast on preparedness. And we'll talk about what we actually had to put into practice. But that is the depth of the shaking that happened at that moment where we're just then very sidetracked from the homestead and thinking, how are we going to get our family out? And as soon as that storm had cleared, I remember sitting in our house with the, with the door open and it was the Monday after all of the storm had come through. Sunday was a really intense night and the wind was cool and there was a small breeze. The rain was still coming down, but very light. It was just almost like having a, a moment to not panic. That's really what it was. It wasn't even like a reflective moment. We were just, wow, I can exhale right now. And I had coffee. Actually, I think it was even in this same cup. I had coffee in my mug and just sat there thinking, okay, we're putting all our plans on the table and God, you show us what to do next. That's when you called our realtor. She said, I can't tell you anything, but the houses that didn't flood were in higher demand because now these people whose homes were ruined were displaced. So the value of our home had gone up just because 
there were less houses and the demand was higher where everybody was scared mm-hmm. of I mean you just So we, we did everything. You we don't prepped. buy a house that is flooded in a hundred year flood. You just you, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that the market has recuperated and that some of those homes mm-hmm. are being sold now, but nowhere to the value that it once was. I don't know if those values will ever come back. But so let's so that's so that's Harvey. It was big. Harvey was significant. And, and it allowed us to see um how little people were prepared. Like you're saying, and I said that's I said Miller Lite like a joke. No, that's we fair. didn't have Miller Lite wrapped. No. We did have some wine. But uh but but most of the people they think of it as a party. Yeah. And whenever I went and I have it on video on the channel of uh, of me driving the streets mm-hmm. And seeing what it's like, and I saw the grocery store mm-hmm. and the just lines. Well, no one could drive their 18 wheelers to get to the grocery store to deliver more. And it was, there was a deep heartbreak, but also the most beautiful, unified community. Like I could cry thinking about that. It was moving, it was transformative to see how the community of Katy, Texas and Houston as a whole really took roles and deferred to one another to make sure that people were clothed, to make sure that people had transportation from their homes, like the edges of their neighborhood. We had friends who organized and took their minivans and shuttled people from the edge of their neighborhood where the water met its end and drove them to a shelter in the high school that came up out of nowhere. It was fantastic and beautiful and moving in the midst of grief. So we didn't mean this podcast to be about our post-RV memories or reliving that, but that it was a significant piece of our, our story to move to the homestead was this halt that we had in our plans. And we had to lay everything down that we had planned and and instead be really present in the moment and go and muck out people's homes. Like you were there and I'm spraying everything down with On Guard when you come home because our friends were getting E. coli and salmonella poisoning from rescuing people from their homes and cleaning things out. And there was just so much um, happening at that time that it is really significant to our story. But after that, as so much was still recovering, even around Christmas time, we made the decision to list the house in November. And it's, it showed real well. <laughs> I think we had, I don't, was it over 20 showings? We had over 20 showings in just a few days. Our realtor was fantastic. She was so loving and patient with our kids. There was a spider you on me. You just had a spider on your arm and you casually flung it away. Well. <laughs> Country life, baby. Country life. I thought it was a fly. I was like, you were just sticking Persistent on me. fly. Our realtor was fantastic. She really knew the market. She was excellent in showing and, and got loads of people in our home. We had several offers. It was at one point people offering more than the other just so that they could get into our home. Through a series of unfortunate events, this did not get sold in November. I think it's too many details to share other than no you we went had all the detail of we, the listen har- you cry other I'm than my details we had a buyer on the house 
to the point that they had put in all their earnest money. They had their inspector come. We were getting out of the house. Bo was out of town and I had all four of the kids, including this like three month old infant. Maybe she was five at that point. And we were getting out of the house and it was like the bottom fell out and then sucked us out of whatever happy little space we were in. At this inspection, it was supposed to last two hours. I had to get all my kids out of the house at the time. The oldest was six. The youngest was a few months old. We go to a Chick-fil-A and within seconds, and I mean seconds of the arrival, the oldest child trips in the Chick-fil-A in the playground, lands on his ear on the playscape, and I'm sitting there like, you've got to be kidding me. I just get all of these children out of the house well, in time bleeding. for this inspection. Like busted he his has face. sliced the ear. The cartilage is like, it's just like in half. And I'm thinking, Oh Lord, I'm going to have to take all these children to the emergency room for him to get stitches. My husband is out of town. Someone is at my house. This is ridiculous. So well, we're at the Chick-fil-A. They're super friendly, obviously, because Chick-fil-A is the world's greatest institution and gift to man. And then they they give a, them all ice creams as we're waiting. And then Everett's sad because he he wants to eat the ice cream, but his ear hurts. And it's just like an emotional collapse. So finally, I just like pull the plug. I don't even get our food. Well, hold on. This is so so I have to interrupt because yeah. there's there's two parts of the story. You were there. Yes. The other part of the story is that I am at Jack Spearco's. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Like I I could completely understand. Yeah, I how am yours, alone, yes. friends. I am entirely abandoned. But I am up in Dallas at Jack Spearco's the yes. survival podcast yes. workshop. And I am hyping this up <laughs> yes. of saying we're selling our house we're, we're moving to our homestead it's all gonna go on youtube like this is gonna be everything like we are getting our home inspection right as now as i speak as i speak like this is it we got the money we i mean we're full ask, asking price i think it even went over it a was little, it was th- over asking because there was a little a, bit of a bidding war yes like all of this awesome awesome stuff and then the texts start coming in yes so I leave the Chick-fil-A. I can't remember if I got our food. Maybe I did. And I'm taking us to a park because these things can last two hours. I have a newborn. I'm like postpartum sweating like a beast. I stink. My child's ear is not so bad, but it is not good. And then everyone else is mad because we couldn't play at the Chick-fil-A park at the, at the Chick-fil-A playground. So I take them to a nearby park. And Finley needs to nurse because they woke her up in the car as we got there. They go out to play. And within seconds, somebody's like, Mom, I need to go to the bathroom. This is a neighborhood park. Why didn't you just go to Carrie's? There is no potty. I don't know. I obviously was not in my right mind. I'm like, I have to call my realtor. I have to call my realtor and find out. And I explained the whole thing. I'm like crying on the phone. I'm like, can I please just go back to our house? We can hide in one room or something. Like, is there a way that you can connect with the realtor? So she connects with the realtor and calls me back in minutes, less than a minute. And she says, oh, they're already done. And we'd been gone for 30 minutes. And I was like, oh no, what happened that they're already gone? So I get home, I unload all the children, 
I'm pretty sure I had to like change my shirt. I was just sweaty and gross. I probably had baby fluids on me. Like you text me saying, babe, they were only here for 30 minutes. Yes. And you were like explicative text, angry emoji face. Cause I knew that there was something, something happened. Something went wrong. And then our realtor calls me. So yes. I'm at the workshop. I'm like, all right, I, I think I, I probably texted her and saying like, hey, I know that it went short. Mm-hmm. Just tell me whenever you're ready. Kelly's swamped. So just call me. me in. And she basically said that she said, so the potential buyers, they they recognized you. Yeah. They y'all go to the same church and they feel very, very bad and they want to explain it. But here's the thing, you cannot explain this. Like, like, cause they, they, oh no, no, no. They, they, they say they want to send the inspection report cause they want to prove that, that they're not bad people. <laughs> well, cause they'd sent us this like emotional uh, letter. Well, there's saying, just, we know you and we, we see having Bible studies in this home and I don't blame them. They had just lost their home to a flood. They lost their home to a flood. So they were very, they, they, they were in, they were definitely Ross Perot buyers. We now yeah. that I know, we should yeah. have seen like we're in, we're out. Nope, we're back again. Nope, I'm, I'm gone. Yeah, again. we like, should have just cut ties. Yeah, so for our own sanity. And then they, and they eventually. Oh my God, this is the second one. Yeah, remember we yeah. had a first buyer a cash offer that that no, we had a first buyer oh, that was, was a loan offer. and their loan fell through. Yeah, we sold That's our right. yeah. So so this was the second time. That yes. we were selling within our a house. month, and all of the inspections. Yeah, no wait, the other one never made it to inspection. I don't think we had a. This was a. This might even have been a second inspection. But I'm basically, not sure. what they ended up finding out, one was that there was a major repair that needed to be done, yes. and the inspector somehow found that needle in the haystack. And every time I tell somebody, every time like I've talked to an inspector, uh, we actually had to hire an inspector under the table to be able to like find out what it was because Mm -hmm. how it works in, at least in Texas, is if you get an official inspector, all of that becomes public knowledge. Right. And so we had to like figure out how to do it without without so, it being public record. Yeah, the the inspection that fell through with these buyers, they walked through the house and they noticed a symptom of a problem. So we had to get someone in to diagnose what the actual problem was. And that was where we had someone who's an experienced inspector come not as an official inspector and just like say, hey, I would fix these lights. I would change these light switches. Um, I would, you know, change this hinge on the door. And then here's what I've diagnosed as a larger problem. So he was able to do that for us. He was actually really helpful on a lot of the small repairs that he was excited about it. He was like, he was like, he was like, he's like, can we, can we take this apart? Cause I never, I'm never allowed to do this. And basically we found out that there was a cracked pipe underneath the master Mm -hmm. tub. And so that thing needed to be repaired and it somehow was overflowing Mm -hmm. through an overflow crack of the foundation. Like they make it so that this would, yeah, but there's no way that anybody would have ever like the inspector that found it 
he didn't even know what it was. No. So, so, cause you can only see the symptom of the problem. Right. So basically long they story They turned short, on all the water in yeah, the house. But so. And then walked yeah. around the house while the water was flowing down the drains. But all and we that's knew at that time. It. So we didn't know what the issue was until we hired a contractor right. to figure out what it was going on. But the information that the buyer got me was that there was <laughs> yes. water coming from the foundation and then also, there was like two things. It was two ridiculous. Things. There was water coming from the foundation. I I didn't know what to think of that. The second thing they said is, we everything in the house mm-hmm. was crystal clean, perfectly clean. Yeah, because we paid somebody to clean it. And then we went to go look in the oven, and it was dirty. Yes. And we thought, what else are they hiding? I was through the roof. I was like, someone had to come get me. I was outraged because we had made a lot of concession out out of concern for this family's situation. We knew that they had just lost their, their home. They wrote us a letter talking about just how important this was to them. I was a worship leader at our church and it wasn't a huge church, but it was a large church. And I, and they kind of took that like distance. We still don't know to this day who we are. And it's probably a mercy that we don't, we don't know who they are. Right. But they kind of manipulated that in a letter form. And I really do want to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was just very emotional for them. And they had a heart's desire to have a home. And who doesn't feel that way? Who doesn't feel like they just want a home? They had PTSD from losing their house in a flood. And I I mean, I don't know how they got out from underneath their flood, uh, the the, the house, you know? So anyway, that, that, that killed it. It was done. Uh, It was straight up dead. There was no pulse on that. So our realtor said, so what do you want to do? And I said, I'm done. Nope. I was like, uh, we're, we're taking it off the market. And she's, we, we talked to her and we, we right. counseled. She said, we're going into the, the low season of this. It's it, just before yeah, Thanksgiving, yeah, she, yeah. just before Christmas, just before yeah. New Year's. You will be more stressed to keep this on the market and have random showings from probably less committed buyers yep. than if you wait until the New Year. So we took it off the market and we were going to put it back Mm-hmm. on in uh, you know May. Yeah, April I think it was May. like late April was our we were eager. We were yeah. really eager to get it back on the market in the spring, but we made an intentional decision to enjoy the time that we had in our home and with our friends and not be rushed. Well to you started calling it our well, goodbye season. Yeah. I or maybe we did that prior. No. We did not. Really? So we were so, because of Harvey and because of Finley and Harvey, we didn't have that. And I think that that was definitely God's grace to be able to give both of us that. Like you were able to have the goodbye season. Is that what you said? You called it, it the goodbye, goodbye semester, semester. Because you you knew this. Yeah. You, you, you were in the army and you moved every two years or so. So mm-hmm. you had said goodbye so many times and you just knew the pace of needing the the space you knew the pace but you knew, you knew that you needed the space to make the round to do what you wanted mm-hmm. to to be able to be to have closure in that and yeah. and for me this was at, you know of course after we went to marriage counseling um because i we found out that i wasn't able to be content right. and happy 
with anywhere that I was. And this forced me and gave, it didn't really force me. It just gave me permission. It's like an invitation to yeah. have a different perspective. Yeah. That I didn't need to chase this dream right now. And, and I remember mm-hmm. saying like, you know, um, of, of telling Kelly, I was like, all I want to do is just build this Lego robot with my son. Yeah. I just want to like, it was, uh, Everett got a, this, uh, this coding Lego robot. Yeah. Um, I forgot what it's called Lego boost. And it was so much fun mm-hmm. doing this with him. He was six. Yeah. It was he just was, a blast. You were uh, his best friend. Yeah. His I mean, favorite person. Uh, we did not make a whole lot of videos during mm-hmm. this time. We kind of shut that down. Uh, we did breed the rabbits and I, I remember, I remember I called it, uh, I kind of took advantage of, of lilac, our, our doe. Uh-huh. And I did, uh, anger breeding with her in terms of, I was so mad. I was like, I just want to go breed my rabbits. And Kelly was like, okay. I was like, is sure. this a good emotional state? I'm like, yep. But what was good was she was ready to be bred and well, they're always ready. Well, and then we got to watch her have these babies and yeah. we were able to share those bunnies with other people and really cut our teeth on a very simple homestead practice without sort of the urgency. Like we've got to learn this before we get out there. Everything slowed down. Everything became more of a savoring than a rush. It gave our kids a gift of time and and us a chance to say goodbye to things that had really been formative for us. I mean, we got married there. We had our babies there. We watched them walk there. So many things that are really in, like just not stuck. What's the, like branded in your mind? That's how significant that season was for us leading up to the move. So returning to the land is it's a process for everyone. Mm-hmm. And this is just definitely ours. And then Well, and I think I would say it's a process regardless. So if you're trying to avoid the things in the city, all your stuff is going to come with you and you're going to have to deal with it in the country. And I am so thankful that we got to deal with a lot of that mess in ironing things out before we made our move because there was plenty of conflict once we made the move that would have been potentially devastating to our family if we had not dealt with a lot of the triggers, but also like what was under the surface, what was causing those emotions or those outbursts before we moved. We also uh, did, we were successful with building doTERRA during that season. I remember like we were able to kind of more focus Mm -hmm. on that to, to redo that and to rebuild some of the, the foundations there. So that was good. And then we just out of the blue, like in March. Yeah, like we a were bit outside early. cleaning it was probably April. the gutters. Yeah. We had just spent the morning cleaning the gutters and the kids and I were outside and this couple walks by and our for sale sign was not up in the front anymore, but it was on the side of the house. And this woman just says, hey, is your house for sale? I said, it's actually not right now, but it will be in a couple of weeks, like six more weeks, I think. And she said, she said, oh, we're looking for a house. We'd like to buy, we'd like to look at your house. And I said, well, and got smart. Here is the number for my realtor. (laughs) She would love to talk with you about it. See, I'll 
I'll say that now that I've done it, I'm mm-hmm. like, I could have done it myself. I know. I know Kelly's rolling her eyes on the video. This is where, so we, it ended up working. Mm-hmm. So long story, really fast. We ended up selling our house for $20,000 more than we originally listed it for because of the fact that, and we never had to put it on the market. The second time. Yeah, they ended up sit, they yeah. ended up just they wanted the house. They negotiated and and it got at down the to the last w- minute. And that was one of those things that we just had to learn this is how you play the game. We'd never sold a house before and it was I mean, we'd give them a deadline and it was the within 30 minutes of that deadline's expi- expiring that they would. Well, they they kept on trying to negotiate down down down. I was like and I said, "No, I'm putting it on, on the, market. the market tomorrow morning. We are ready. We're going to list it tomorrow and we're going to get out of the house and get some showings. And it was, it was just before midnight or yes. whatever. And they said, fine, we will take the offer. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a good offer. It was great. The, the inspections was not that bad. Mm-mm. Very minor repairs. We had already done so much work the first time. And then we ended up closing May 31st, the last day of May, right? Yes. And that last month, we decided to get the storage unit. And that was just a, a, a lot of a help. full-time job. Oh, yeah. Was every day taking something to the storage unit. I feel like we were in that mode of living in different spaces for the next two years. Because we then lived in Dallas, and then we lived here and had a storage unit. And there was... A very um, distinct shift in that season where we went from like, ah, everything is very simple. Everything is very convenient to, holy cow, our life (laughs) just got spread out real far, real fast. And that, that was a, having that unit in Katie was kind of a mind twister for me. Okay. So I don't want to have three part threes. Yeah. Uh, on this one. So let's, let's, let's kind of plow through this and take it home, babe. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just, if, if there's something you're like, we need to talk about this, let's, we can go down deep on it. Yeah. Uh, but so we ended up, we, we sold the house yes. and we were homeless. And I really thought of it. I was like the, uh, the scene in finding Nemo to where the, it's the, the ending credit scene where all the fish that were in the aquarium at the dentist's office and they, <laughs> they find a way, they, they do their mass plan and they get in the, the bubble bags and they, they swim across the freeway and then they end up in the ocean and they're all sitting there yes. rejoicing and in the, the ocean floating in their little water bubble bags. And like, yeah, we did it, we did it, we did it, we escaped. And then the puffer fish goes, now what? Like, yeah, like you're that's like, fair. Like you, you did all this work and you're like, yes. And you're like, oh man, we're homeless. Like we, we didn't really understand what to do. Like we, we had were land. couch surfing. Yeah, we had land. We had no deal for the the shed, the house. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was yep. just talked about, but there was nothing really finalized. And so we really were a little scared. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we knew is that we had a storage unit in Katy, Texas we had a truck full a two car we had a yes. truck and a car full cuz we only had one car at the time right. full of the st- stuff that we need we knew that we couldn't do without and we knew that your parents in north dallas 5 hours away were they had a house 
They had a space, they had a room, and they were they were ready to welcome us to stay there yes. for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so so that's those couple of months ended up being six months. Mm-hmm. How did you Almost feel? Almost to the day. Yeah. It was, I think, either six months shy or two weeks shy of six months or six months, two weeks. May to mid-November. Oh, like, there, like beginning was, of June to mid-November. Yes. So these are my parents. So for me, it felt very comfortable. It felt very much returning to home. We moved so often as a kid that our home has always been where our people are. So my parents home that's only been their home for 10 years has been very familiar to our family. It was not a scary, sad, heartbreaking thing. My prayer before moving there was, Lord, let this be the best season of life for both of us, for my parents Mm -hmm. and for our kids and us. And it really was. I agree. It was a fantastic space. We did a few things to make sure that we weren't creating stress or tension because that can happen when you have four small children in a home that never has kids in it. You know, like this is not a regular occurrence to have screaming and kicking and tantrums and also glitter. Those are the things that we just wanted as a couple is to be prepared to mitigate before that got there, but also give room for our kids to play. So there was a fantastic yard. There was a pool. There was um, amazing meals because when your mom cooks for you, it tastes a billion times better than when you make it. That it really was the absolute best experience that it could have been. Just a sweet relationship time with my parents. Really, um, our kids learned to ride their bikes at my parents' house and a lot of swimming and fun time together and really sweet memories where even now it's been three years since we moved away. And when we turn the corner onto their house, they're like, oh, it just feels so good driving on this street. So I think the mission was accomplished that it was a good six months together. We actually bought a gym membership there just so that we could work we would send our kids to the to the childcare for the two hours. For probably what was it, like two three months. Yeah. Did we ever work out once? No, not. We, I didn't even like. At one point, I just started wearing jeans. We, I was we like, can we it. not pretend that I'm actually going to go up to this cardio room? Because I'm not. Did we even like? We never even walked around. I mean, I'm I, sure you did. Did they have a pool? They had everything, but we didn't go to the pool because we had a pool at your parents. Yeah. Yeah. It was they. We did not Well, do. it was the best way to get a babysitter for our kids and the best way for us to get work done. It was actually more cost effective to do this than otherwise. And it was a gym that we'd had in Katie. So there was no big deal to be like, oh my gosh, we're signing up for a gym. But it was hilarious. Like, no, I have zero intention of working out. No. I am I am definitely not even walking up the stairs to get to the workout equipment. Yeah. I, I, hey, if you're ever, if, if there's a lifetime fitness, that's the gym down here in Texas and you just need yes. office hours, you need, you need a babysitter. Highly recommend it. It is the cheapest babysitter that you can it get so because great. you can get them every single day. Yep. For prepaid, two hours. For two hours. I think you can even get them like, like if you can get four hours, if you come twice a day, I think they, you they're allowed to come twice. To, yeah. But that was the full six months. Tell me about the six weeks that I was not there and I was living in the wooden box. While you were down at the shed, we had a stomach bug. Uh, We had 
lots of little things, just like did emotional you, like, behavior. Up? I didn't. The kids all did. Okay. And then, like, Ella threw up. One of the kids threw up Cheez-Its all over the couch. It was just one of those things. But that didn't happen at the beginning of the six weeks. I think being apart for two weeks was no big deal. Getting to three weeks was no big deal. I think we even saw each other at week four. And then I took all the kids back up to Dallas. But those last two weeks was like as if we had been burning the candle at both ends. And then we got to the middle of the candle. And I was burnt out. You came to see the house and mm-hmm. to stay. Yes. I forgot why we ended up doing that. There I think was we some, just needed to see each something. other. And, and there was there was the tension there. Yes. I could, we could both, I mean, it, well, like we weren't really fighting us, at each other. We no, were just fighting at the issue, what we were doing. Both of with. us felt the, the strain of our individual situations. Me with the kids and you here having to run everything. We both had the strain of our own situations. And then when we were together, it felt like the other was not meeting our needs. So it was like you had your own situation where if I had just come in and like known how to love you in that, I could have served you well. And it would have felt like you were seen and cared for and a partner. And the same thing was happening to me. You had no clue, not because you were a jerk, but because you couldn't, you couldn't have any clue. And, and the communication was strained because of the internet service, because of the phone service, we just really couldn't communicate in any way. I remember having a zoom with you and I was just, I like, I hung up (laughs) and that's very rare. I mean, I cannot even count on one full hand how many times in our marriage that I've just left. And I, I was like, I'm done. I'll talk to you another time. And I hung up and I was like, so much cussing. So then you came to the property and I remember it was like, you were going to stay for two or three nights. Mm-hmm. It was probably just two nights. I would right. imagine. Uh, in the house. In the house. Well, we had had the styrofoam or no, we had the uh, drywall by then. Yes, the spray foam was in, the drywall was in, there was no texture on the wall. Yes, so, but but that kept Finley from eating the, the spray foam. Yes, which and was like a major goal. We were like, we have to have the walls up because it's just not yeah. safe for Finley. We had the uh, window unit to where we could get some sort of air circulation going. And it was October. Yeah, so it wasn't horrible, but but that was it. And I remember you looking at, it was time to kind of like, it was the day, it was the morning of the day of like, it was time for you to start getting ready and getting the mind ready to leave. And you just looked at me and you said, the boys are staying. Yep. And I was like, uh, what? Yep. Oh, oh we had I, a I think I was like, I, I don't even think I said what I was like. Okay. Okay. You're like, um, this was not even a question. You just said it. And I'm okay. I'm not going to argue. Yeah. We had a little two-tier, like a bunk bed, a cot bunk bed. I don't know if that's a good description, but it's bunk beds made out of cots. And it's a kid's thing from the grandparents. It's like a real thing. We didn't just like rig it up. But these two cots that make a bunk bed. They're like portable. Yeah. Yeah. Camping. Yeah. Yeah, Like camping bunk beds for kids. So they were super stoked to do that. They also got to eat so much junk food. They were like in heaven, they thought this was the coolest thing. But there I, was, there was friends. The couch family was yes. here, so they they said they had friends yes. that they could hang out with. I needed, 
I needed some of the pressure relieved and to be able to leave the big boys because Ella was not even four yet. Was she? No, she was. She was just four at that time. Yeah. So I had a four-year-old and a one-year-old. It was not bad uh, for me to do it, but but that leads to mm-hmm. the biggest moment that I have had in this entire thing. I was there with my boys and it was the last night and we we also had the pressure that I had already signed up for yep. Jack Spierko's next, because that was the one year after that, the next workshop. And I was planning on going to that as yes. well. And I got the the dates wrong by one week. Yes. And I was like, oh no. I have to I be have there to, sooner. I have to tell Kelly about this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry I had the dates wrong. I'm It actually is in two days. Mm-hmm. And it just, I got off the phone with you and then I realized, and and it was at the moment, the boys were there, they were having fun, they were really loving it. And the electrician was here. Uh, you know, Andrew yeah. and the crew, they were building the decks and the electrician was here to do the finish electric and the fans turned on. The fans were installed, yes. the fans were turned on and the lights started coming on. We had electricity inside yes. of the house for the first time for, ever for, and the and, oh and the mini splits were installed mm-hmm. i think yes i think they were they were like the house was coming alive and it was working and i remember like this like the boys were celebrating so much mm-hmm. they were so excited like dad this is awesome we have yes. fans we have air conditioning we have lights they were like flipping the switch yes. we have lights and I thought, I hate it here. I know. I don't want to be here anymore. This is, and I thought, I remember thinking, this is not my home. You were burnt. Yeah. And I was like, my wife is not here. Right. I don't, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Like, I want my family back. It was so deep and so hard. And, I think I just knew. It was dark. Yeah. I was just like, I need my wife back. Mm -hmm. Like Kelly and I need to be back together. We need to figure this out. And so then I ended up, uh, we, we met up. We went, so the next morning we met up at some sort of restaurant. (laughs) To exchange the children. To exchange the children. And it was still not great. It was still bad. Like, like you were glad for going to eat, but you were like, you knew that I was still going to be gone for a couple more days. And I ended up, I ended up skipping the, the workshop. I left like a day early. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. And I wanted to surprise you a little, like I just wanted, and even the surprise wasn't all that good. Like you weren't even all that excited to see me. I remember that. I think that. you had some unrealistic expectations. I think your expectation was like, I will be the knight in shining armor. And I'm like, bro, we still have to pack up this house. Yeah. Like I was, I was like, I don't think you see the work that is going on here. And it wasn't that you didn't. You did see the work. You And I didn't feel unappreciated. My head was down, and this is how I always am. In the crisis, I will not fall apart. In the crisis, I will keep it together. I will get us through the tunnel. I will not stop. I will not, I will not turn the car around. 
I am stalwart in a crisis and we were in crisis. And then after it, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to crumble like a gingerbread house. I am going to not even be able to verbalize my needs or my feelings. I am a mess. I am worse than a mess. I am a steaming pile of regurgitated garbage mess. Does that make sense? Like that's how regurgitated garbage mess. Like I am a mess. Um, There is not a box of Oreos large enough to fix that problem. So, but then we got, then we took the kids. Yes. To your sisters. Yes. And we had our anniversary celebration. Yep. Here. Yep. It was all, it was all very quick. So we moved out of the house in Dallas. My parents weren't even in town that weekend. We just packed up, you know, left them some love notes. They knew we were leaving. It wasn't like we ditched them, but we packed up the, all our belongings in Dallas, came down to the shed, unloaded all the kids. We all slept in the living room on their mattresses because one of the smart things we did was had these Ikea mattresses and we took them up to Dallas. That's where the kids slept. Like, so they would have something of their own. And then we brought those down here and we all slept in the living room on their mattresses, which was so wonderful to have. We still had those little bunk bed cots that were just up in the corner that like became our couch sort of for a few months. It was weird. And as the kids went to my sister's, We drove directly down to Houston, grabbed a bunch of stuff from our storage unit. Not a bunch, everything. Oh, we did. We had a big We rented a U-Haul moving truck and we loaded everything. The whole thing up. And we we moved it into a store because we had two storage units at one time. Uh, We had one here at uh, at our land, like in the town. And then we had that one. So we got rid of that one and moved it all up. all the Katie stuff up, literally backed the truck up to our porch and loaded in our bed and our furniture and some things still stayed on the front porch for a few months and then took the rest down to the uh, storage unit nearby. And this became the home. This was like saying goodbye to our house in Katie. I remember that feeling of walking through at the end and saying, it's not our house anymore. Like, this is not that emotional for me. It's not our house anymore. I've already grieved this. I've already been grateful for this. Moving into the shed felt like probably the same way the boys felt flipping those light switches on and off was like, oh, this is home. I remember this. I remember what it feels like to have a home and kind of, you know, mark it up yourself. This is where the furniture goes. Here's where I keep my dishes in this drawer. This is my bedroom, my bathroom things that feel like you again. And that was a relief and kind of a big healing moment because before that we'd been in just run and gun turmoil. I hadn't even fallen apart yet, but at that point we were, I think we were experiencing the comfort of having a home. Okay. So living this dream life on Anchorage, Mm -hmm. we, we're here. We've returned to the land, man. What do you think? Now? Three years later? Or thinking about it then? I mean, wh- 
I, th- I want to know now. Like, I, I think I think thinking of it then is its own oh, story. It's so like, difficult. We to have even, returned to the land. It's difficult to even think about it now because at that point, there had not been the turning point of 2020. That's to our story, 2020 living on the property is as significant as Hurricane Harvey and and what it did to our like forceful slowing down. Hurricane Harvey forced us to be present and not just looking ahead to when we were going to live on the property. 2020 forced us to acknowledge God and how he moves and how his ways are better than our ways. And that's like a sermon to unpack is how I feel about it now. But I think the best way to describe how I feel overall was the two weeks after we moved here was like a honeymoon. We grocery shopped when we made the big move, when we'd gone to you know get everything from our Katie storage unit. We grocery shopped at the Costco there. We didn't have to go anywhere. We brought our refrigerator. We plugged in the refrigerator because we'd been living out of a Yeti cooler for months, just trying to revive it every day with ice. And we unpacked real groceries, not just like prepackaged food. We didn't food. live in a Yeti cooler for months. While you were living here. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like the six weeks, two months that you were yeah, here with okay, the cooler. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying like we the family. No, okay, gotcha. just a couple for sure. weeks. Sorry. Yeah. And those two weeks were an invitation to just be here, to hear the trees and the wind that blew through the leaves and walk the property and get to know it like the back of our hand. That was two weeks of being something that you never do. Like you are not a practice person at appreciating what's going on right around you. You're always eager for what is to come. And this was a time where all of us were very content to be a family together, to be on this property and realize the dream, not even experiencing the full depth of what that could mean. There were no animals here. There was no garden here. We barely had, you know, the deck on the outside of our house. Like this was not fancy bells and whistles. We had not arrived at our, you know, present moment of glory. We had just survived and accomplished something amazing and then were able to enjoy it. And I think that's fantastic. If you like this episode, then you can find us at our YouTube channel, Better Together Life, or Bo is on Instagram at Better Together Life, and I'm on Instagram, Kelly, at Better Together Wife. <laughs>